Last year, application volume declined at most top MBA programs. An exception was UNC Ken Flagler, which experienced a 32% increase in application volume and a 10-point increase in its average GMAT score for matriculating students. In fact, its acceptance rate declined while it grew its class size by 47 more students. Discover the secret to its success, as well as how to get in, during this interview with its admissions director. Welcome to Admissions Straight Talk, the podcast dedicated to graduate admissions and helping you approach the application process thoughtfully and successfully. Your host is Acceptance founder and world-renowned admissions guru, Linda Abraham. At Accepted, our mission is to get you to that unforgettable moment when you read your acceptance email and shout, yes, I'm in, confident you'll be attending the perfect program to help you launch the career of your dreams. Welcome to the 496th episode of Admission Straight Talk, Accepted's podcast. Thanks for joining me. Before we get to our wonderful guest, you're invited to take the free six-question quiz at accepted.com slash MAPMBA. Again, that's accepted.com slash MAPMBA, M-A-P-M-B-A, and see how prepared you are to actually apply. You'll also gain access to relevant other resources, both free and paid, that can help you develop an application strategy for acceptance. Just go to accepted.com slash MAPMBA to take your quiz and access those other resources I mentioned. It gives me great pleasure to have for the first time on Admission Straight Talk, Danielle Ritchie, Director of Full-Time MBA Admissions and Student Recruitment at UNC Cannon Flagler Business School. Danielle earned her Bachelor's in Public Relations at SUNY Oswego and her Master's in Communications at Syracuse University. She has worked in higher ed admissions and administration at Utica College, Syracuse University, Bentley University, and of, and of course, UNC Cannon Flagler, where she moved in 2018 as Senior Associate Director for MBA Admissions and Recruiting. In November 2021, almost exactly a year ago, she became Director of Full-Time MBA Admissions and Recruiting. Danielle, welcome to Admissions Straight Talk. Thank you so much, Linda. I appreciate you having me on today. My pleasure. Now let's start with some general questions about the school and then move to admissions topics, okay? Perfect. All right. So can you give an overview of UNC Kenneth Flagler's full-time MBA program, focusing more on its distinctive elements? And that's for those listeners who may not be that familiar with it. Yeah, excellent. So UNC Keenan Flagler Business School is located in Chapel Hill, North Carolina. We are a two-year MBA program um, at 62 credits. There are 15 core classes where candidates will get the breadth of business. And then there's 12 concentrations in one focus area that students can select from to have that in-depth knowledge. And it varies from business analytics to consulting, marketing, healthcare, real estate, so on and so forth. So you really get to create your own journey, if you will, with an MBA from Keenan Flagler. We are STEM designated, and it does not matter which concentration you pursue. You actually don't even have to. And about 20% of our students will just do a general MBA, and they'll pick and choose from over 125 different electives to make up their program. Uh, we do require an internship between year one and year two. A lot of our students will do a quote-unquote traditional internship where they will apply and go on to work six to eight weeks in the summer with a company. Okay, well. great. What's new at Kenan Flagler? Yeah, there's a lot of exciting things going on at Kenan Flagler. Um, we Kenan, actually I'm just, sorry, I'm pronouncing it wrong. Oh, that's okay. Everyone has accents. Like I <laughs> mentioned before, I'm from New York and people tend to pick up. They're like, you're not from 
the South. I'm like, no, I don't have a Southern accent, <laughs> but they say that I pronounce words a little differently. Mm. So we had our groundbreaking ceremony in September for a new building. Um, so it will open up in 2024. We're very excited about that. We're not looking to expand the MBA program, but our building that we're in currently was open in 1997. And we actually want to grow our undergrad business program to double. So we are having that facility. So that's new and very, very exciting. Jamie Diamond from JP Morgan Chase came and was one of our guest speakers. We also just launched our Charlotte MBA uh, executive program. Hmm. So located in Charlotte, North Carolina, it's about two hours from Chapel Hill. It's an executive format that working professionals can go on and earn their MBA. In person? It is in person. Mm-hmm. So is it is it? Academic, it's designed to serve the North Carolina or the, su- the Southern area. Okay. Yeah, the su- North Carolina as well as South Carolina because it borders. Charlotte is close to the South Carolina border. And as Charlotte continues to grow, especially in the financial space, we saw that as a great opportunity to offer the Charlotte MBA as well as some executive development opportunities as well off campus. That's good. Okay. Mm-hmm. Now, in preparing for a call, a few things caught my eye. UNC has 15 required courses, but they are taken in short modules. Can you highlight the modular system? It's a little different. It's not, it's not quarters. It's not semesters. Yeah. Um, We always say we like mods and everyone asks, you know, prospective students, what's a mod? Um, A mod essentially is seven to eight weeks of classes that you take. So you're in mod one when you start class. And then by October break, you'll be taking your final exams, and then you start mod two after you get back from your fall break. In the spring, we offer mod three and mod four. So it's, we tell our first years, it's like drinking from a fire hose uh, for mod one, um, because you're going to be taking a lot of quantitative core classes, and you're going to be starting your recruiting process for internships and your job search as well, as well as just starting the MBA program and relocating to Chapel Hill. So it's a lot, but the mod format allows us and our students to focus on the quant to prepare them for their internship. And then in year two is really when they focus on the electives and make the MBA their own. And does the modular format continue in year two? It does. Okay, great. Yep. We do offer some classes that are on the weekends. So it's not a full mod length, but it would be a weekend course. And that's more for our electives than it is for our core classes. Got it. Okay, thank you. Now, I noticed that roughly 15% of the graduating class went into healthcare. So that's obviously a, a strength of UNC's. What are the opportunities, both curricular and co-curricular, for those interested in healthcare at UNC? Yeah, healthcare continues to grow. Where we're located in Chapel Hill, life sciences is one of the three fastest growing industries here. UNC overall has a large healthcare system, plus the Duke healthcare system is close by. We have companies like GSK in the area. So healthcare continues to grow and it's something that we always will need to have, but it's always developing and we need to have leaders thinking about healthcare beyond just the the medical side. So there's a wide variety of course offerings that we have for students to take, whether they're interested in healthcare analytics, healthcare marketing, and there's courses in new drug development, challenges within a healthcare, you know, pretty much it's a course focused on the system overview. There's global healthcare. So it's not just focusing here in the U.S., but we are giving an international 
lens as well. And there's the Center for Business of Healthcare, and that really leverages the diversity and the depth of health sciences across the UNC Chapel Hill system as well. We also have the MBA Healthcare Academy, which just launched, and that's really focused on learning that connects students um, both academically and co-curricular, as well as social opportunities as well. We have a student-run conference that focuses on healthcare. In addition to that, there's healthcare career treks. We have industry leaders coming in. And something I find very interesting is when COVID hit in 2020, in March, we our campus shut down and our students are on their two-week spring break. When they came back for Mod 4, there was already an elective course being offered on COVID and oh, how wow. it's disrupting healthcare as well as business needs. And it was, I sat in it for <laughs> just to experience with our students and, and to learn. And it was really interesting to put that business perspective on it. I bet. Wow. Mm -hmm. It's amazing that you came up with it that fast. Mm -hmm. Now, and clearly you offer a lot for those interested or Kenan Flagler offers a lot for those interested in, in healthcare and business. Mm -hmm. Now, again, in preparing for the call, I saw that uh, Ken Flagler touts both its experiential learning and you mentioned also its STEM designation. Can you mm -hmm. touch on both? Yeah. So for experiential learning opportunities, I mentioned uh, a little bit earlier too, that we require an internship or we call it applied work experience. So it gives you the theoretical and you can apply the practical. In addition to that, we have STAR, which is stands for Student Teams Achieving Results. It's a consulting-based experiential learning opportunity where students can apply you work in small teams and they're consultants. And it's they have typically three to four MBA students and about two undergrads, but they're at this junior or senior level, so yeah, upperclassmen. Upper class, yeah. And they get to work on a variety of projects. They will be selected. And once they get into their teams, then they're announced who they'll be working with. And that might they be paired up with a company like Domino's, who was um, the CEO of Domino's, was uh, an alum, an MBA alum from UNC. And they will work with them throughout maybe uh, a semester, and they will pitch a, a solution as if they the consultants on this project, and the company will go back and implement it. So it allows candidates to continue to build their resume while they're in the classroom, that it gives them an opportunity to have additional talking points when talking to recruiters about some of their experiences. And lastly, which I think is really important, is it cultivates relationships and expands the network. Some of these STAR projects have turned into job offers for candidates, and it's amazing to see the companies coming back to recruit our students. In addition to that, we have our global immersion electives, where students will take a class and then they travel abroad for between 10 to 14 days. And each of the locations are going to be themed based. So perhaps it's going to be real estate focused in Argentina and Peru. They're meeting with companies. They're meeting maybe perhaps other MBA students that are, are based there. And it's not going to be a, a vacation, but essentially they're learning how business is done globally, which is going to help them in their career long-term as well. I agree. Now we've touched on a few things that caught my eye as I was, again, preparing for the call. But what don't people know about Keenan Flagler that you would like them to know and that we haven't discussed yet? Yeah, that's a really, really good question, Linda. One of the things that 
get asked quite often is, you know, where's Chapel Hill, North Carolina? <laughs> and so sometimes I think we're at a disadvantage because we're not in a large city like New York or Boston, Chicago, or even LA. Um, but we are in a great accessible area. There is another school located right down the road from us in Durham, North Carolina, known as Duke. Um, we also have NC State, there's Wake Forest. So there are a lot of recruiters that are coming to campus to recruit our students. And so it's not off the unbeaten path. In addition to that, it's very accessible. So whether you're looking to travel abroad or even East Coast to West Coast, uh, the airport is 20 minutes away. It's a short drive to Atlanta. If you want to go to Charlotte, North Carolina, or DC, or even to New York, it's very accessible. You can drive two hours one way, you're at the Outer Banks. You can drive three hours, you're in the mountains and in Asheville. So there's a little bit of everything, regardless of what you're interested in. There always tends to be at least one or two, if not a plethora of things to choose from without having the distractions of a large city and the expenses of a large city as well. With the traffic. Yeah, with the traffic. Although yeah. I would have to say North Carolina traffic, you're, you're talking to someone yeah, that lives okay. in, I was like, oh, <laughs> the traffic here, but it's nowhere compared to LA or New York City rush hour traffic. All right, great. Let's turn to the application and admissions, you know, the, the nitty gritty here. Do you see UNC Keenan Flagler accepting the executive assessment in the near future or other aptitude tests? Yeah. So we offer standardized test waivers. And if a candidate has taken a professional exam for the executive assessment, they can submit that to be considered as part of the review process to see if they are approved for a test waiver or not. We are going to continue that process in accepting those test scores. But there's hasn't been too much discussion yet if we will accept the executive assessment in place of GMAT or GRE. So if someone is denied a standardized test waiver, they still will have to submit a GMAT or GRE right now. Great. Now you mentioned test waivers. That kind of mm -hmm. leads to my next question. Is there any difference in acceptance rate for those who receive test waivers as opposed to those who applied with a, a test score? Yeah, there's really not. And a lot of candidates ask, well, will I be at a disadvantage if I don't submit my test score? And the, the answer is no. Um, we will still consider candidates for admission and for fellowships um, the same way as someone that does. One thing that we ask candidates when they are applying for a standardized test waiver is what are their career goals? Because we know that there's some industries or functional areas that do require a standardized test score. And so we just want to make sure that we're upfront that even though you might be approved for a test waiver for our application, you potentially might have to still take a standardized test for recruiting. However, you can use the, the tools that you learn in the classroom almost as free GMAT or GRE prep and, and right. to take the test as well. Right. What approximately what percentage of applicants applied with the test waiver? Yeah, we're still seeing a lot of candidates taking tests. I think because it's kind of new, the trend of business schools accepting standardized test waivers, we'll, we are still seeing the, a lot of candidates taking the GMAT or GRE. And they might not have taken it in the past year, but within the past five, and with the at-home version as well. Um, so regardless of what format you take, we don't see that as schools we just encourage you to submit your best score. But we we are still seeing, I would have to say it might, might be a 70-30 split really? of those taking the test still. Okay, great. 
I'm actually surprised that the 30 was as high as it is, but uh, it's okay. All right. Fine. Yeah. Yeah. What happens to an application after applicants hit submit? Yeah. How are applications processed and evaluated? Probably the evaluation is a little bit more interesting even. Yeah, I would say probably the evaluation is, yeah. is very interesting. <laughs> um, and we're very transparent. So once you hit submit, you'll, candidates will receive an, um, an email indicating we received it, it's been processed. And then we talk about the evaluation. We go through a two-reader evaluation. So the first reader will have access to the application minus any notes and end or standardized test scores. So they're really getting to know the applicant. Then an interviewer is going to be a different person. Our interviews are behavioral-based questions and are 30 minutes in length. The interviewer has access to the resume and essays um, and transcripts. And then you have a second reader who looks at everything, including standardized tests, the reader one notes and the interviewer, and then they make a recommendation. Then we go into committee. So at any given point, applications are being evaluated at least three, if not four to five times by different people to remove any biases. We really wanted to look at it from a holistic approach. And that's why we take back if a candidate submitted a test score or not, doesn't matter because we don't factor that in until the last part of it. Got it. So in, in interviews are by invitation? Yes. So in there's only one reader evaluating it though to determine if somebody gets an, an invitation, an interview invitation. Is that correct? Or no. I, did I misunderstand you? Yeah. So we actually invite, we do a blind interview invite process before the round, the reader one evaluates. Oh, all right. Yeah. So nobody evaluates the application before you issue an interview invitation? Nope. Oh, that's interesting. Okay. Yeah. So how do, do you decide it, who gets an interview invitation? We do it a little bit differently. So yeah. we, have, we truly do it blind. Um, but we also have something in place where we will go back and check anybody that was not invited at first. Okay. And then we do that evaluation. So we do the bulk of them because we know how much time a candidate puts into applying to school. And so to expedite that process, but still have that quality check in place, we do the blind interview invite so that candidates can start the interview process. But we also are going back and making sure that there's nobody that we miss. And that's at least two different people that are looking at the files and seeing, hey, do we want to invite? Do we not want to invite? And we'll discuss that as well. So is there, if, if it's a blind interview invitation, is it based on Grades we'll and look, test score or, or? No, we'll look at everything. Work oh, experience, right. if they have a US GPA, we'll pull in from that. But there's a wide variety of data sets that we'll look at. So there's an algorithm that we have in our system oh, on the okay. back end based on our historical data. And then mm -hmm. we evaluate that every year. Like, do we want to modify? Do we not want to modify as well? So kind of what, what factors were predictive of acceptance? Got it. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. Reverse so we, engineering it basically. Yeah. So, or, you know, we call it a post-mortem analysis. I know it sounds just <laughs> yeah. horrible, but right. yeah, we will reverse engineer because we, we know the type of candidate that excel in our classes, but also the output too. And, and there's some things that a system can't pick up. And so as that, that human component. And so we want to pick that up. So when we're evaluating candidates, we, yes, we look for IQ, but it's very important that we look for EQ as well. Okay, great. Thank you. What is the interview like at UNC? Is it virtual, in person? You said, mentioned it's behavioral. 
Yeah, so it is 30 minutes behavioral questions. Right now we are virtual only for interviews. Um, as we slowly open doors, um, we will welcome back candidates in the near future, but for now we will do virtual. In some cities that we travel to, we will do in-person if we are there, but as we're on campus, um, in-person interviews, we're just not there yet. And so we, we're keeping it virtual for now. And we offer them Monday through Saturday. So once a candidate gets an invite, they'll have a calendar. They can select a date and time that works best for them. Sure. Yeah. Now, you you know, you've been in missions for a long time. You were at, you've been at uh, Keenan Feigler for about four years. What are the com most common mistakes that you see applicants make during the application process? Not being themselves. So I think that's one of the first things. And then also not, I mentioned, you know, that human component earlier. And I feel like that's another thing. They, everyone has a professional side, yes, but there's that personal side to who you are. And I feel like sometimes that's lacking in an application. And it would be great to fully see and know a candidate throughout the application process. So bringing in that human side, bringing in that EQ is really important. So if you have extracurriculars, you know, Linda, I mentioned earlier, like I'm a soccer referee. Right. Most people wouldn't understand what goes in into that, you know, the trainings, the thought process. That's absolutely something I would put on my resume and talk to because in any given game, you can make between 300 and 350 decisions. Wow. And so that's, you know, that's a great talking point to bring up and for someone to think on their feet. So when you have extracurriculars, maybe you're a part of a team, maybe you have volunteer experience, those types of things the committee would love to know about and see how you are outside of work too, because there's so much more than just your job title in your career. Right. That's a great comment. Thank you very much. Mm -hmm. What advice do you have for reapplicants other than revealing the other side of them? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. For reapplicants, I would say the best piece of advice is self-awareness. So looking back at your application that you submitted, and then also looking at the school profile, as well as talking to candidates to get a feel for who we look for in our applicants and in our students. And not just resubmitting the application and the same essay that you did the year prior. There has to be some distinct features to your application. And we actually ask our reapplicants to submit a, a, another essay and it asks them, what's different about your application? Why now? And so that self-awareness piece is really important because we're asking them to, to bring that out and see what work that they've done. And it's more than just a test score. It really is. Right, right. Great advice. Thank you. What would you say to applicants who want to apply this cycle but are concerned about the possibility of a recession? Yeah. Oh, that R word. <laughs> it's, been, <laughs> it's been a talking point for many of us um, in MBA admissions. I would say be prepared as much as possible. Start thinking about plans. Have a plan A and a plan B. Right now, you know, there's no date in mind that we know that recession is going to hit, but we know right now we're in, we have high cost inflation is going up. We also understand for international students, the currency conversion to U.S. dollars. So it's really important to start thinking about plan A and plan B, um, because what if your plan A is to wait three years to get your MBA, but you lose your job in the meantime? So it's thinking about, OK, business schools researching now and start trying to plan and um, connect with alums. Maybe there's industry leaders 
that you haven't connected with and you want to understand the industries might change as well with the recession. So just trying to plan as much in advance is extremely important for candidates that are considering to pursue an MBA now or in three or four years from now. The one thing to know is that when you get your MBA, there's going to be ROI. It's just a matter of time of when you'll see that in a recession. I agree. I would also, to answer my own question, I'd say being in school during a recession is, is, a, is a good idea. Oh, you absolutely. Don't to, you don't want to graduate into you a recession. You do not. No, <laughs> that, I, graduated, I graduated my undergrad during a recession and that was very challenging. So yeah, yeah. it's important now to, to focus on you, what your goals are and plan accordingly, again, as much as possible. What candidates would you like to see more of at Keenan Flagler? Yeah. Um, well, here, I'll say this. I, I, I describe our MBA students, you know, we're a top 20 MBA program. And when you think top 20, you probably think, you know, super competitive, you know, shark, sharp elbows. So I like to say sharks. We're not sharks. We're dolphins. You know, we have the high <laughs> IQ, high EQ. So I would love to continue to see more of that. Our students pride themselves on the Carolina way, which is giving back, supporting each other, really collaborative. And so that's something that I would love to see continue. And I know most importantly, our students, I was just in class with them last week, talking to them about admissions, hearing how their process went, did they enjoy the experience and what they want to see. And they said the same thing. They want to continue to see students that love to help each other, that love to give back love to make an impact. And so that's something that we would love to continue to see. We know that students change, you know, millennials, you have your Gen Zs, you have, we know the type of students changing, but we hope that's something that still continues to remain. Lovely. Wonderful. If you were an applicant thinking ahead to a 2023 or 2024 application, so next year or the year after, Mm -hmm. what is the one thing you would do now to prepare yourself to apply? Start reflecting on who you are. The MBA application process can make you feel vulnerable at times, and some people might not be comfortable with that. And so you can learn a lot about yourself. So just start thinking and writing things down about who you are, both maybe at work or outside of work, what kind of leader that you strive to be and want to be. Because again, it can seem daunting at times when you have to think about yourself. And we all know, like we're our own worst enemy. So we may not see ourselves the way that others see us. So it's really important to do that reflection process earlier so that you're not struggling in the long run. And it's really important too, even outside of the application process, you can apply that to so many things in your career and in your personal lives as well. Thank you. What would you have liked me to ask you? What my favorite comment was kidding. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think you've touched base a lot on, you know, what we look for in Keenan Flagler. And, and that's really important because it's all about fit. And, you know, when, when candidates are looking at MBA programs. So I think that that's a little, you asked them touch base on a little bit of everything that we have. And so I appreciate that. So there's really nothing that comes to mind that I wish you asked that you, that you haven't. Okay. All right. Well, then I just want to thank you, Danielle, for joining me today. Thank you so much. Where can listeners and potential applicants learn more about Keenan Fagler full-time MBA program? Yeah. So we have our website, which is the first stop many of our prospective students visit, and it's www.keenan, it's K-E-N-A-N hyphen Flagler, 
flagler.unc.edu. You'll find a little bit of everything about our application process, what our MBA consists of, and in addition to the events, we are hosting events off campus as well as on campus, like our campus visit program. In addition to that, you can get our contact information. And if any candidate has questions, please reach out to myself and the fantastic full-time MBA admissions team that we have here, and we'd be happy to help you as well as celebrate. Um, all the little short wins along the way in the application process. Wonderful. Thank you again. Yeah. We're going to include links in the show notes at exhibit.com slash 496 to the Keenan Flagler website that Danielle just mentioned, as well as two related articles and also other podcasts. They're all going to be linked to from accepted.com slash 496. Quick reminder, take our new quiz at exhibit.com slash MBA. It's free and it will give you a chance to see if you have a solid approach to the MBA application process. Plus, it also links to additional resources. Take the quiz at exhibit.com slash MBA. Listener, thank you too for joining Danielle, Richie, and me for our 496th episode. If you find the show worthwhile, please subscribe. Make sure you don't miss any future shows, be they with admissions deans, professors, current students, test prep pros, or alumni doing great things. Thanks again for coming. This is Admission Straight Talk, produced by Accepted, and I'm your host, Linda Abraham. I'll talk to you again next week. <music>